0: Welcome to Midweek, a place where we dive deep into Scripture. So grab your Bible, a pen, and a notebook and get ready to study God's Word. All right, so everybody, um, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 12. And tonight we're calling this one Daniel in the Lion's Den because we're picking up on that second half of the story because Daniel will be thrown in the Lion's Den. Now, let's just back up and let's review a little bit of how Daniel got to this point and why they're going to throw him in the lion's den okay so let's rehearse this one Daniel is um, it's now the Persian Empire they have conquered the Babylonians it's a historical fact and we find the narrative in Daniel also Daniel is one of three commissioners appointed by uh, King Darius and um, There are over 120 satraps or governors over the entire kingdom. Daniel is distinguishing himself. In other words, he's really standing out among the three commissioners. He's doing really, really good work. And so Darius is very impressed by Daniel. And what's he going to do? What do you do with a really, really, really good employee? You promote them, absolutely. So he's going to promote him. Now, remember, he is an exile from Israel. So they're going to promote this exile from Israel. And so the other two commissioners, they're not liking that very much whatsoever because Daniel is now going to be over the entire empire, the Persian empire. And so they come up. And by the way, Darius, the king at this time, for those of you who like this kind of stuff, um, he is the father. Have you ever heard of a guy named Xerxes? Have you ever seen the movie the 300? Okay Xerxes, who's the king of Persia at that time This guy Darius who we're looking at right now, he is the father of Xerxes, a historical figure, Battle of Thermopylae, 300 Spartans the whole shot. This is the father. Darius is the father of Xerxes so but these um, commissioners they decide we don't want Daniel to be over us or anybody else. They're jealous and so. They devise a plot. And the plot specifically is they they approach Darius and they said, they they present to him this, uh, let's enact this law. Let's put this law in place that anyone um, who worships, pays homage to anyone but you, O king, if they worship any other god or anything as god, for the next 30 days, we're going to throw them in the lion's den how what do you think about that law Darius? So it's very appealing to Darius because not only can he be the political power, he can also be the religious power, right? He can be considered God, which is a great picture of the antichrist to come in our future on this planet who will be a political leader and he'll want to be the religious authority too because of the false prophet. So it really to, uh, appeals to him and of course we said last week they only need 30 days, they really only need 30 seconds, right? Because Daniel's going to violate that one right away. He's not going to sit there, he's, he's not going to do it. And so, um, so they put the law in place and after they put the law in place, what do these commissioners do? Where do they hang out at? They hang out right under his window. Because they know what Daniel's going to do. He goes home, he gets up in his window, and he prays. And which way does he face? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Do you remember why he faces Jerusalem? Because in Kings, Solomon stated when the rededication of the temple, that if you are ever in exile in another land, when you pray, pray towards Jerusalem. So he goes up there and he didn't do it defiantly. He didn't slam open the window. He didn't put, rip open the curtains. He just goes and does what he always did. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray towards Jerusalem to my God, Yahweh. Well, the commissioners, they're standing underneath the window, and they know what's going to happen, and they see Daniel do it, and so they know they've got Daniel now. They know they're, they're going to take him down. Now, backing up a bit, i I just remember this, that um, we talked last week how they go to uh, Darius and say, we've all been discussing this, and we've all decided about this law that we want to put, did everybody know about that? Daniel did not know about it, and Daniel is the highest in the realm of the political world there under the king, and so he doesn't know anything about it, so they're not telling the truth there, they're passing what has been termed a stealth law. They try to keep it as secret as possible. And whenever I hear one of these coming through that really hinders the kingdom of God or really would put Christians in check where the gospel is fully hindered or would eventually lead to me not being able to say certain truths from the Bible, I will let you know. I'll be glad to let you know that you need to call your assemblymen and tell them you don't want this law because they're going to try to sneak it in. And once they sneak it in and it becomes law, then it will hinder the Christianity from moving forward. And if you let enough of these go by, pretty soon all these laws will be in place where we can't even say anything anymore. And that's really where society is moving in America right now. Any amens on that? They're trying to. They're trying to stop us. They're trying to keep us from talking about things. But you know, and I have honestly, as senior pastor got a little bit of slack from Christians every time I bring them and say, you need to call your assembly member, but uh, look, I'm old, I really don't care. You know, they can tell me don't do it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to warn you and I'm going to stand up for these things and, and it's not because I'm bold, I just know it's the right thing to do, okay? And so I'm going to let you know these things. So, so here's where the story is. Daniel has violated the law. They knew he would do it And so, here's what's going to happen. If you have your notes and everything, here we go. Daniel chapter 6, verse 12 and 13 say this. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Here's what they tell him. Did uh, you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? And the king replies, the statement is true according to the law, of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked, verse 13. Then they answered and spoke before the king, uh, King, um, Daniel, you know, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah. Notice how they make sure that he's one of the exiles of Judah right there. Um, he pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you had signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. We caught him doing this three times a day. This is what he's doing. Now, these guys are just a bunch of tattletales, right? And they just couldn't wait for this moment. They couldn't wait to catch him in these things. So they come to the king and go, Hey, king, um, refresh our memory. Didn't you sign in the law, a law that said that nobody can worship anybody but you for 30 days? And that, Yeah, that, uh, that's true. I signed that. Now, the law of the Medes and Persians, it says in verse 12 it cannot be revoked. Do you remember what we said about that last week? The Babylonians, the king could change the law anytime he wanted to. Persians who conquered Babylonians, different set of rules for them. Once a law is put in place in the Persian, Medo-Persian system, you, the king can't change it. The king must be subject to that law also. So now the king is in a jam because does he like Daniel? Yeah, he does. He was going to promote this guy. But now he is, his hands are tied. He can't change anything. And now he knows it's going to be bad news for Daniel. Now, I got three quick truths for you. The third one is going to spring me into uh, uh, quite a, a long segment here tonight. Um, but three, first one is they lied by claiming that Daniel was not loyal to Darius. In your notes, the word would be loyal. You're going to fill in there. Now, they lie. They're saying that Daniel was not loyal uh, to Darius. They say, because they say in verse 13, he pays no attention to you. Guys, has Daniel been loyal to Darius? He's always loyal. I mean, the guy's track record is loyalty. He's always loyal. Now, the second bullet point is this. They told the truth in that Daniel pays no attention to this new law. So now they do tell the truth, they say Daniel doesn't pay attention to this new law is that true and the answer is yeah yeah, he's not going (laughs) to follow that law so that is true so first they lie about him and now they're going to they tell the truth about him so they're 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 spinning this whole thing but the third bullet point is the one I really want to press and I want to take forward because it just burdens my heart and sometimes it just makes me a little crazy in my head but here's the third one the stealth law oppresses expressions of personal faith the stealth law oppresses expressions of personal faith now that that law is in place now they can persecute and now they can discriminate against Daniel's personal faith in God can they not? the law is in place they've set it up And that is where we are now in America. Not heading, we are now there. And it can get only worse from here. And so it is a big fight. And I feel like I'm in the middle of a fight personally. And my wife asked my wife, she knows I just feel like I'm in the middle of this battle right now. Now, we're going to do right now what people don't do anymore. You know what they don't do anymore? Think. Am I Right. People quit thinking. They don't think anymore. They just drink Kool-Aid and they jump on the riot bus and that's all they do. And if you try to talk to people, they just get irate and blow up, which means you're dealing not with a 35-year-old, but with an 8-year-old, correct? Just rem- Always remember that. I've counseled for 30-some years and that's one of the things I tell people all the time. When you're acting this way, are you 40 or are you 7? 7, seven? Yes, it's time to grow up now. And we have a generation of people that have not grown up. And that goes back to broken families, which none of the journalists or the government will say that's the problem. But that's the problem, okay? A lot of broken families in this country. Now, so we're going to think now about these things. So they devise a clever plot that will destroy a law that will destroy Daniel, a follower of God, right? Within the plot, this law, Medo-Persian law, the king can do nothing to change it, right? It will destroy the believer, and it will hinder the government from being able to deliver this guy. Is that diabolical or what? It's very sneaky. It's very satanic. Now, think, let's think. Daniel, when the law is put in place, does he go with the current of the law, or does he swim against the current? Yes, sir? What, What is it? He swims against it, right? Now, as he swims against it, as you and I or anyone swims against the current today that tries to oppress our biblical thoughts, they will now start to accuse us with certain uh, slogans of accusation. Am I right? You're narrow-minded. You're bigoted. What makes you right and us wrong? How can your God be the God? How can you possibly claim those things? Haven't you ever heard those before? We live in this society now that that's what they spit out. And by the way, they call us, it's the big word, intolerant. They call us intolerant. Now, they have long lost their ability to know what tolerance is. In fact, the people who scream intolerant are the most intolerant people on the planet. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, they're so intolerant and they scream intolerant at everybody else. Now, for the record, question, that's this. Why does Christianity, why does Christi- Christianity, why does it cause so much anger and opposition? Why? Why is it this one? Why isn't it Buddha or Allah or Mormonism? Why, why this one? hold on to that truth you're right Jesus is alive is he not all the other ain't nobody alive back there and he's alive and it's a spiritual battle in the spiritual realm but you said back there a bunch of you said truth right didn't I hear that did I hear you say that see ours is unique we claim and know that we have the we have the truth that's right does that anger people you better believe it does now why does it anger people in this current climate that took decades to get to this point but it's not a new idea because they say there are no absolute truths so when you and I claim that we have the truth that angers people Because they, in this climate, like I said, that it's taken decades to get to the way it is right now, but it's always been there, they say there's no absolute truth. Because did not the serpent tell Eve, you surely shall not die? Come on, God knows. That's not true, Eve. There's no absolute truth here. This goes back to the garden. And it's been ever since. It's been in society. So, if you take it back to the garden, and I like to rehearse rehearse this uh, all, all the time. you think about where society is um, it's always been this way but here it's really uh, it's deeper than it's ever been Eve um, the serpent tells her you shall be a what Eve you'll be a God you shall be a God knowing good and evil which means you will be the decider of what's right and wrong you Eve you'll be a God Paul writes in Timothy, he says, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. When you're a lover of yourself, you deify yourself. You make yourself the the person that states what's right and what's wrong. But we've always seen it since the garden. This is plaguing mankind. This is where the destruction of mankind, where everything arose. Because can man be a God? There's no way. There's just no way. Now... We have the truth in our lives. Remember that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. and the life. That's right. We have the truth. Jesus made these statements and more. Now, sidebar. Um, if if you ever in an argument and somebody says, Oh, I have my truth. Anybody ever heard that one before? Okay, what have I told you in the past if somebody tells you, I have my own, I have my truth? What do you tell them? What do you ask them? Simple. Ask them, do you have your own math too? <laughs> Ask them. Maybe two plus two doesn't equal four for them. See how, see how ridiculous that is? You can't have your own math. Just like you can't have your own truth. If two things, two, two opposites both say the true law of non-contradiction, they both can't be true. One has to be true, the other one cannot be true at all. Now, you want to think some more? Let's think some more. Let's go deeper in our thinking. Now, we claim to have the truth, right, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said, John 17, 17, sanctify them in thy word, thy word is true, father, Isaiah 8, 20, he says, if the people do not speak, according to this law, this word, they have no dawn, in other words, they have no light, in other words, this is the truth, they're all saying this to the Bible. This is a consistent theme, that this is the truth. This is God's word. Now, they scream, once again, word, you are in... You're intolerant. Now, tolerance. Let's, let's talk about tolerance because that's a big word today, right? It's been a big word for years now. <clears throat> Has it lost its meaning? It's completely lost its meaning. We are now in a culture... Oh, it's, it's such a scary thing to watch that now redefines everything. They redefine it all. They give new definitions to words. They're going to rewrite all of history. They're going to do all these things. This is the big danger right now in America, and people are giving in to this stuff. It's as satanic as it gets. It's purely satanic. Now, in your notes, I gave you a definition of tolerance. I'm going to read it twice. It says, Tolerance by... De-. This is the correct definition, not the new definition. Asserts the right to have convictions, to make judgments about right and wrong, which differ from those of others. It asserts the right to express those views without what? Without fear. Let me read it again. I love this. Here's the definition of tolerance. Asserts the right to have convictions, to make judgments about right and wrong, which differ from those of others. It also asserts the right to express those views without fear. In other words, we can all disagree and you don't have to worry or be afraid of ramifications if you disagree, right? right? If you have your own system of belief, whatever. Look, I have very, very strong biblical values and opinions and if you're ever around me, you, you'll hear them. I'm very, very definite about it but if you have a difference, I'll debate with you. I won't get mad at you and you can have all your beliefs you want to you wanna have. That's, I'm, that, that doesn't bother me. Look, I believe very strongly what Voltaire said, and he said this. He was a, in the 1700s, he was a philosopher, historian. He said, I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Isn't that the way to go? I, would, I could disagree with you. You could say what you I'll def, but I'll defend your right to have freedom to say it. It's your right to say it. And once we lose that, we lose a lot. We lose a lot when we go that way. Now, so true tolerance is basically, it makes judgments without being judgmental. True tolerance makes judgments without being judgmental. Do you follow me? So you're going to disagree with me? I am not. I could still go out to lunch with you. It won't even bother me, you know, but I'll, I'll gladly debate with you if you want to debate. Now, so... The intolerance today, the scream intolerance, basically the extremists, what they're doing is they're trying to hinder true freedom. Are they not? Okay, let me give you the new tolerance. Here's the new tolerance. It grabs hold of offenses. That offends. Right? That's the first thing you look for. You know, I can never offend anyone by expressing my different belief or my disapproval of a certain way of thinking or lifestyle I can't say that I can't criticize them I have to affirm them I have to make them feel good about that isn't that where we're at it's insane when you get a conservative go to speak on a secular college these days these colleges that once started as Christian colleges and all of a sudden the the whoever the head of students they tell all the people we're going to have a safe place on the campus for you while they're here while the mean people are here. Haven't you ever noticed that? Yeah. I go how fragile are these people that we're creating? What are we doing? This is insanity. Now let's think again okay if you or I or anyone is not allowed to make judgments or have convictions what's going to happen to our society? We will lose our virtue. We will lose our truth. We will lose everything. And we'll just become animalistic. And that's all that's going to happen, guys. And that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing the beginnings of it. It's always been there, but now it's in your face. I have the luxury, and it's not a luxury, but of people telling me what goes on at their jobs if they say certain things about things. They could just lose their job like that. It's a terrible thing that you cannot have a difference of belief system these days. Daniel chapter 6 is about the state. It's about government imposing laws that squash and smother out the truth. Daniel, you can't do that now. or oh, you're going in a lion's den. That's what it's all about. That's what the chapter's all about. Now, let's read on. Verse 13. Let's go back to verse 13 and verse 14. Then they answered and spoke before the king. Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, King, okay? Or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Verse 14. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed. Notice he doesn't get mad. He's distressed. And set his mind on delivering Daniel and Even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Now, Daniel goes against the new law. Why was Daniel able to do that? Look at verse... um, We have to back up in time, in the chapter. Look at verse 10. Why was Daniel able to go against it? Look at the end of verse 10. It says that he's doing as he previously did, correct? Correct. Says something like that in your Bible? Yeah. This, in other words, this is what he's always done. So what he did today when they caught him is what he did when? Yesterday, and he did the day before, and he did the day before. What's a key to having strong conviction? Consistency. You keep doing the same thing you did today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. You're building strong foundation in your life of conviction. He's got strong conviction. His foundation is strong. They tell me I can't worship my God. Well, I'm going to worship my God because that's what I did yesterday, day before, day before that, day before that, year before that, year before that, year before that. This is what I do. And so his conviction is very, very strong. Now, the king is stressed. Is he not? Does he now know he's been tricked? Yes. Now, notice in verse 14, he said he's working on trying to rescue Daniel until what moment in time? Sunset, do you know why it's in there? Because in that day in their laws, if you broke the law, they carried out the punishment that day. So he has until sundown to try to rescue Daniel because by sunset, Daniel's going in the lion's den. That's why it says that right there. Now, verse 15 says, Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is the law, there it is again, of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. In other words, they can't change the law, can he? Can't do anything about it. Verse 16, and they're reminding him of it. Then the king gave orders... And Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, watch what the king tells Daniel. Daniel's in the lion's den. Your God whom you constantly, constantly, constantly serve will himself deliver you. What? <laughs> Daniel's going, hey, don't worry, your God's going to deliver you. This is, um, this is amazing. Bullet point your notes. The king knows of Daniel's consistent expression of faith in God. Does he not? Yes. He says, who you serve consistently. You constantly serve your God. The king knows he constantly serves his God. Now think about that. In verse uh, 15, these, uh, the, the, the other two stooges, they remind the king of the law, right? In verse 16, the king reminds Daniel of God's power, right? So there's all this reminding going on. I think that's hilarious right there. Now, so they throw him in. There he goes. He's in the lion's den. Now, you all know the story, don't you? So I can't surprise you whatsoever. Okay, but verse 17 says, A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring. You can't break that because it's got his signet on there. Now, and with, and with the signet rings of his nobles. So they're all putting a signet on there so that nothing might be changed in regard to Daniel. Now, he's in there. They put a stone. They seal it with a signet ring. It doesn't take much imagination to take this somewhere, does it? Jesus was thrown in a tomb, right? They put a stone over it, Right? Pilate seals the tomb, probably with his own signet, right? And the king here says, your God can deliver you. And in that, res- that tomb, Jesus was resurrected. Father God save him. Did he not? So you see the parallels. they are really cool parallels right there. Can I give you a, a wider parallel? They throw them in there. What's in there with him? Lions. Does the devil prowl around like a roaring lion? That's right. But old king Darius says, your God whom you constantly serve is going to deliver you. Is that testimony? Do we not overcome the servant the devil by the word of our testimony? Is that a cool thing or what? Yeah. I, li- I like that kind of stuff. He's given testimony. It's the whole Revelation 12 thing. Now look at verse 18. He says, Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting. He's not eating nothing. <laughs> and no entertainment. He don't have the TV on. <laughs> There's nothing. He's not watching the game. Was brought before him and his sleep fled from him, he cannot fall asleep, bullet point in your notes, Daniel has a better night's sleep than the king is that amazing, I like that, Daniel fell asleep but the king can't catch a wink of sleep whatsoever, observation does the king have a lot of money does he have a lot of power does he have a lot of uh, luxuries He's got all this. Does he have peace? No. 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 Daniel's in the lion's den, surrounded by lions. Does he have peace? Yeah, Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, Yeah. Peace. Now, look. Here's the thing. I like things. Don't you like things? But things don't give us peace, right? Well, let me back up. They'll give you peace for about seven to ten days. You ever notice when you buy something you're real excited about it? Then like 10 days later, it's like, well, okay, I got that now. You ever, have you ever noticed that? That If you understand that, that will help you not get in debt. You could tell yourself, no. Okay? Now, just in case anyone here ever struggled with somebody watching at home later on this week as this gets posted, if you've ever struggled with, well, you know, um, I've... My problem is that I see all these unbelieving people they are evil, they don't follow God and they're, they get blessed with all this stuff and they have this and they have that and I've never had those things. I Man, what, what's up with that? That's not fair. Stop, 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 stop. Heaven is the great reversal. Is it not? Yes. They're getting there now. You're going to get yours later. They're getting this now for decades. You're getting yours later for eternity. Which one do you want to pick? Eternity. Yeah. Praise the Lord. You said the right answer. Okay, verse 19. Then the king arose at dawn at the break of day. Notice it doesn't say he woke up. It says he got up. He was already awake. Break of dawn and went in haste to the lion's den. I like that. I'm going to give you two bullet points. Here's a quick one, because he gets up right at, boom, it's daylight, I'm going to get up now. First bullet point, quick one is, it's easy to get up in the morning when you have a reason. You got to have a reason, I said it Sunday at the end, even when you retire, you better have a reason, because there's always a reason to get up in the morning, right? Now let me give you a bigger truth, second bullet point, hope gives us hope of a better tomorrow. Doesn't it? In the natural, what would be the expectation of what has happened to Daniel? What would it be? He's eaten alive, man. He's, he's, a, he's dead. But Darius goes to check. If the expectation in the natural is he's dead, why does Darius go check? Because he's thinking not natural, he's thinking supernatural. He's thinking spiritual. But what does that tell us about King Darius? It tells us that he has a hope that Daniel is not dead, but Daniel is alive. alive. See, and when you have hope, that hope gives you hope for a better tomorrow, does it not? That you believe that, okay, it's not so good right now, but you know what? I still have hope in God that it's going to be a better tomorrow. It's just going to be a better thing in my life. So you cannot lose hope. So if you've ever read Romans 5 from verse 1 to verse 5, Romans 5 verse 1 to 5, you find there's a progression of hope that's built. You guys want to see that one by the way? Yeah. I have extra time tonight. I don't know why. But let me, let's go there. Watch, watch this real quick. Go to Romans 5. I don't know what I did that I have extra time. So let me just blow that time, okay? Now watch watch this how, how hope is built. It, it's a progression. And it's not something you wake up and go, I have hope now. No, watch the progression. It says verse chapter 5, verse 1 of Romans. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. When it says peace with God, it means peace facing God. Now, you've walked in the faith. You've confessed your, your faith in Jesus Christ. You can face God. You're in right standing. We're good. Me and God are good because of what Jesus has done. Make sense? Okay, good. That's where it starts. Your faith starts there. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's the, the go-between, Jesus says. Now, through whom? Now, watch progression. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith, Into this grace. Stop there. So we've come into grace by what? Faith. Faith. That's very important. For me, it is because people say you get your faith after grace. No, it's through faith that grace comes into action in your life. You also find that in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. So now, you've stepped into grace, God's faith in your life. Now, it says in which we stand. We stand in the grace of God. Without the grace of God and our faith, believing in Him and our faith in Jesus, then we can't stand there. Now, we exult in Hope of the glory of God, right? We exult in the hope of God. Glory of God is, I mean, glory means weight. It's like heavy. But it's all that God is. We exult in it. Now watch your progression. You're in the faith. You are a believer. Verse 3. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulation. What? Yes. Exult means to boast. You boast in your trials. You boast in your problems. Now, you cannot boast in anything unless you understand the whys behind it, I think. Right? He hasn't finished. He's going to tell you the why. Why would I boast in my trials? We exalt in our tribulation. Why do we do that? Verse 3 in the middle. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Ah, Now, tribulation, as you walk through it, Stay faithful to God. Stay consistent. It brings about perseverance. That literally means consistency, endurance. You're not in in church for a couple months going, I'm back, I'm back. Something goes wrong. I'm out, I'm out. You're not doing that. You're as consistent as it gets. Your foundation is getting stronger and stronger because you're persevering. You're plowing through that road. Now, from there it moves on. Verse 4. And once you're moving that way, and perseverance brings proven character. What's proven character? It simply means proof. Now, when you have a track record that you are consistent with God through trials, through ups and downs of life, you stay consistent, you're enduring, you're consistent, that is the proof. That's the proof that you are what you are, that you're the real McCoy. You're a follower of Christ. Now, this, see the building of that thing in your life right there? Now, watch this. Verse four proven character. And proven character, hope. Hope. What is hope? Hope is the belief that something good's gonna happen, right? So now you're building this thing over time, months, years, endurance, consistency. It's the proof that you really are who you are, and you're developing hope. It's always going to get better. I believe God. I have hope in God, no matter what's going on in my life right now. How many Christians don't even have that because they chop themselves off at the ankles way back here, and they dive out of the fellowship, out of the word, out of faith, out of everything because something went wrong in their life. You can't do that. You got to stick with it. Now, and then once you have hope, verse five, watch the statement of hope. This is my favorite statement of all the progression. And hope does not disappoint. No matter what happens, no matter what's flipped upside down, I'm not going to walk disappointed. I'm not going to walk beaten down because I have hope. I have hope it's going to get better. No matter what, I believe it's going to get better because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. That's when everything's clicking in your life. Any amens? That's a clicking, man, right there. Now, back, hopefully that made sense. Now, back to old Darius. He gets up, not wakes up, he gets up because he has hope. He has hope that Daniel's alive. He says, your God can deliver you. He has this hope in his life. That's why he gets up. Hope will get you up in the morning. Now, verse um, 20. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with the troubled voice, Daniel! No, I don't know how he said it. (laughs) He cried out. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constant, there it is again, whom you constantly serve, been able, is God able? Yeah, we know that from the, from the fiery furnace. Our God is able to deliver us, but even if He doesn't do it, we know He's able. He's able to deliver you from the lions. Then verse twenty. Then Daniel spoke to the king, O oh, king, live forever. <laughs> My God, sent to his angel, and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you. Notice, I'm innocent. He says it. O king, I have committed no crime. Verse 23. Then the king was very pleased, you think, and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I'm going to use that in two weeks when I talk about persecution in the book of Acts in two weeks on a Sunday morning. Now, he yells, Daniel, you okay in there? Can you hear Daniel? You betcha. (laughs) I'm okay, man. Well, well God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth and we all had a Nuno game all night. It was really exciting. You know? Had a lot of fun in that lion's dead last night. Now, let me finish reading the chapters four verses, five verses, and then I'm going to give you three closing comments, okay? And then we're going to have like five minutes if you have any questions about this. The king then gave orders. And they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel. Oh. And they cast them, their children, their wives in the lion's den. I feel bad for those people because, man, terrible leadership in the family leads to the family suffering. Never forget that. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. They didn't even follow the bottom. The lions got them. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who are living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed and his dominion will be forever. He delivers, verse 27, and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Okay, so let let, let me give you three closing thoughts. Once Daniel is he's alive, nothing happened to him. The king now doesn't abide. Basically, he breaks his own law because Daniel worshipped another god. He breaks his own law. Did you catch that? And then he sets the man free. But he makes a new law that says Daniel's God is God. What's going on here? I'll tell you what I think. This is what I think he realizes there's a higher law than human law. He had to have come to that conclusion. That Daniel's God is God. That's a higher law. It's a higher law than human law. And every one of us has to remember that. There may come times when the law says we can't do this, but God says, no, this is what it is. And we stand up and we're always careful with that. Always careful. Now, that's the first thing. The second thing is, these guys who enacted the law tricked the king into it be thrown in the lion's den where do they get thrown? in the lion's den they're caught in their own snare do we find that in scripture? remember the Old Testament letter of Esther remember that one? there's a guy by the name of Haman Haman wants to have Mordecai Esther's uncle hung remember that? but what happens to Haman? he gets hung in the very gallows that he created caught in his own snare. How about this one? Pharaoh is drowning the babies in the river, in the water. What happens to Pharaoh's chariots? They get drowned in the water, in the Red Sea. They're caught in their own snare. You see these things repeatedly. And if you just watch and let things play out and don't go nuts like society out there, watch play out. Look for all the evidence. And people, liars, will always be caught in their own snare. They just will. It's just what it is. Now, let me give you the last thought. It's my favorite thought of all. You ready? And by the way, next week, we'll start Daniel 7, but the second, we'll cut it in half, and the second part, we'll start to dive into, Daniel, what he dives into, and that is the Antichrist. He starts giving prophetic statements about the Antichrist to come, but that's in two weeks. Now, here's my last thought. In chapter 1, Daniel refuses to eat. In chapter 6, the lions refuse to eat. Amen. I like that one. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're so faithful. But thank you for this, this narrative, this historical object lesson that we can trust you even when government tries to oppress that you're still victorious. Thank you that we can see a man, Daniel, consistent, strong. What he did today is what he did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that. And that built a strong foundation in his life. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.